Hey everyone, it's Robert from the So-So Scrutiny Podcast, and I got my co-host over there, Corey Stocks. Get into that batter's box. Yeah, topical. Right? Because totally. today, baseball is back. Well, technically it started yesterday, but today, Angels baseball is back. And I saw that and the Dodgers completely demolished Arizona. Oh yeah, there was a nice uh, Bellinger Grand Slam that I kept seeing over and over Jeez. again. Um, yeah, we'll beast. get into that a little bit. Let's, we got a lot of talk about um, on today's podcast. Um, we're going to talk about Palm Springs, one of the new movies that just came out. Uh, Corey's going to talk about a little American Horror Story. I guess a new season came out. Uh, yes. It's not new, but I uh, just saw it. The most it. recent one? Yeah, like three seasons ago. Oh. But okay. I wanted well, to watch we'll, it. <laughs> gotcha. We'll get into that because I know they're all kind of different. Uh, I just watched the most recent Unsolved Mysteries, Unsolved Mysteries, which is like a reboot of this old show, which kind of leads into our final subject. We're going to talk a, a few serial killers. Uh, I'm going to do the Zodiac and the Night Stalker, and Corey's going to do H.H. Holmes and Jack the Ripper. So, and you're, are both of your guys, no, no, H.H.H. Holmes is uh, like American, right? Yes. Jack He's the, the Ripper is across the pond, dude. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't know much about Holmes. I saw a little bit of the video that you sent me, but uh, I'm curious about that guy. I've never yeah. heard that guy's name name before. Um, but uh, yeah, so let's uh, let's get into it. Uh, before we do, before we though, is our unofficial sponsors today. First one is Bones Coffee. Today I got a mixture. I mixed two. A tincture, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever do that? Do you ever combine two different Coffees? flavors together? No, yeah. I haven't done that before. I, I, I never really do it with flavors, but I did do the, um, <clears throat> highly voltage bones, which I gotta say is like the least good tasting, but it's got the most caffeine. Yeah. So I, I lace it, you know, with a little of something else. And, um, I put some of that electric unicorn cause that's really Ooh. sweet. So it kind of like makes it not sweet and then makes the, un the voltage one kind of a little bit sweet. So it's a good mixture. I like it a lot. That's fancy. That mixture, I got, I got to get into that. Over ice, Try too. That out. Ice. I still have it hot out there. That's something else I need to actually try is icing some of this stuff. Yeah. But how yeah. how would you do it? Would you uh, put it, uh, pour over into a coffee cup and then put it over ice, or would you put the pour over thing right onto the ice cup? I would, I would let it chill because it sits and marinades basically. So what I would do if I had a Chemex, cause I don't have a Chemex, but, um, is I would, you know, do the pour over a whole crap load of pour over into a Chemex pitcher. And then I would put that in the fridge, let that, you know, get cold or whatever. And, oh, you, oh wow. You go that far. Okay. Yeah. So having it in like a pitcher of some sort, um, would be cool because it would it would you know be able to disperse a little more, open up a little. Um, See, I've like heard that. almost almost the opposite. I've heard almost the opposite that um, when you put the pour over right onto ice, that it like holds in the flavor because the huh. coffee. But I could also hear like it's sitting and brewing for a little bit and. I don't know. I, I've got no complaints. My but my cup is great right now. There's probably like a fancy way to do it. Some of my friends like know, you know, are into that stuff. So maybe I'll ask them like, what do you recommend? But Dude, I we know. Should, um, here's an idea. Maybe we should hit up like coffee code 
and just see if they'd be down to do a Zoom and be, yeah. like, ask them all these coffee questions and give them a big shout out and tell that them. That would be cool. Because <laughs> we haven't given a big shout out in a while because I haven't been over to your house we have in not. a while. That would be that but would be really cool. Sorry, Bones, but that's our OG coffee unofficial sponsor. <laughs> well, since, they don't. I don't think since they quarantine really, you've been ours. I don't think they like roast their own stuff though. They I no, think, they use so. that, yeah, that counterculture stuff, which is yeah. that's, that that's good damn stuff too. I would like and, to uh, see Bones in a actual shop. Store. You know, that would be kind of cool. Yeah, I'm curious. Are there like coffee shops that are like tap rooms where you know instead of like. 20 like different tastings. kinds of beers there's like yeah there yeah. must be right yeah there was one called um portola coffee lab yeah i've heard of that there one. was a, they they did they did like a kind of like a tasting room with different kind of co- like coffee drinks and like um pour over stuff and things like that that'd, i don't know that'd if be they, a cool yeah get like a flight of like a flight of espressos and taste each kind of espresso. That'd be yeah. Dope. Oh man. Get, but get I know, I know you went to <laughs> Europe as well. The coffee over there is just, oh, yeah. France I, had like some of the most I love oh, amazing yeah. coffee. I just love the most, like more of the convenient aspect of it. Not to say it's not convenient here with a Starbucks in every yeah. corner, but with convenience of good coffee, there's not only a, like a cafe on every corner, but there's a bar. And yeah. then if it's a bar, they still, they still serve uh, serve coffee. There's an espresso machine right next yep. to the taps, like on every one. And I remember like being there eating at the, at the bar and some guy would just come up, Hey, one espresso and just one espresso. Super and then he's cool. out just in and out, you know? It's yeah. Like, Fuck there yeah. Was, like, I love this, that. There was, yeah, we were, I remember when we were in this little artist village called Montmartre up in, uh, it's up above like Paris. Basically you like go up and there's a church at the top and you can see like all of Paris. Wow. Um, and we were like, oh, we'll go up there. And I was like, really, you know, jonesing for a coffee. I'm like, I, I need something better than this Starbucks right here. And then we that found jet, this. That, that jet lag, man. Yeah. It gets, you, need some, you need something to get back on We've, the rails. Yeah. Yeah. We found this little coffee shop or not coffee shop. It was a bar slash restaurant, but mo- like they had a long bar. And I was like, hey, do you guys like have coffee? And oh, yeah, we do. And they had like a big ass like espresso machine and like. They don't mess around over there. They like the, coffee's a big deal and it's spread. It's, it's, it's part from of the their, source too, yeah, man. The stuff out there is so good. good. But yeah, uh, bones. We, <laughs> we haven't done a big coffee episode in a while. There's a little coffee episode right there, mini mm-hmm. soda right there. Um, another shout out though, real quick to uh, Boss uh, Do, blah, 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 Das Bootleg. Um, wearing them today on my shirt. Oh, Jaws. Love Jaws. Yeah, all three of them, like a promo photo. Super cool. And, uh, yeah, they. I every time I work on a film set, you know, I usually wear one of these because usually it's film nerds working on film sets, and yeah. they're always like, "Oh, I love that movie. Where'd you get that shirt?" So I'm telling everyone, Das Bootleg. There you go. Search das it. Bootleg's awesome. I got. I dude, I bought too many shirts now. I have like five shirts. I, I have my drawer is three drawers. The first one's just uh, socks. The bottom one is just random shirts and a couple things. The middle one is just DOS bootleg. It's, <laughs> yeah, but shit it's fucking tough. filled. Yeah, it's crazy. And they, the cool thing is they make black shirts. So it's like I wear black all the time anyway. So yeah. like having, used the, to make, having the sweet sorry, ass picture is just, you know, it, it's an addition. <laughs> um, I like that it's not only like still frames from movies but they'll they'll get like the jaws one it's like a promo photo like i've never seen this photo i don't think a lot of people have ever seen this yeah photo like they're all, all guys 
chilling yeah. in the jaws. <laughs> they they used to do colored shirts. I have like a yellow one that has the Sandlot kids on it, and then I have a like a really bright blue one that has the Joker uh, Jack Nicholson on it, like chilling in a uh, lounge chair on the beach. It's a really good one. It's awesome. But I I I hit them up not too long ago because I really wanted a new hoodie. I have a really cool hoodie with um uh, no Michael Keaton um. Oh, Lost uh, Boys. Lost Boys. Um, Kiefer. Kiefer Sutherland, yeah. Thank you. Kiefer. And it's a great, like, silhouette. Just his, it's not like this where it's like a square. It's like yeah. just his face. And uh, I wanted to, like, get a new one because it's getting kind of faded. And they don't make hoodies anymore. Nah, darn. Said, yeah, so I'm, hey, Doss Bootleg, I'm calling you guys out. Like, do some more uh, jackets. I, it's summer <laughs> right now. It's summer, but come fall, let's get that fall line going on. Maybe that's, know? yeah, maybe they're waiting for that. Yeah, that'd maybe. be really cool. They said they wrote me back and said it was like not cost effect, uh, effective. I guess that makes sense. Like that. It was just it was better just to sell shirts, but yeah, it's I, probably I pretty you. expensive. Yeah. All right, lot to get into. Um, what have you been up to this week, man? Um, you been? Oh, you watched a few uh, live shows, right? Yeah. So over the past like two, three weeks, we, uh, my wife and I, have, you know, we are all quarantined, so a lot of bands have been coming out and doing like live streams. Um, and it, it started with us, like the intrigue started with dust, the, uh, riot fest announcing like, Oh, Dustin Kensery is going to play like a set or whatever. So we're like, Oh, that's cool. And I know you were there for this one, right? Um, the Dustin Kensery set. I, I was going in and out. I was kind of busy. I know. Yeah. Don't, don't tell the bands, but yeah, he's been giving me the link so I can kind of get in and watch it for free. I feel kind of bad, but like I haven't been watching him fully. Like, yeah, you, you haven't been able to. Why would yeah. you do it if you didn't have like time to if, even do if it? If Thursday watch it. or like Four Years Strong or like a band I really wanted, like Rival Sons. Yeah. Not that it's not to say I don't like Silverstein and so many other bands you're going to mention. Not to say I don't love those bands, but it's just like, eh, I'm not going to spend an hour. Sorry. Yeah. I might, might catch sure. it later, but yeah. Who else did you see? Yeah, you um, list. So Dustin Kensru played, and that was probably one of the more like disappointing ones. Not because I don't think Dustin Kensru is amazing, because he is, but yeah. it was literally like three songs, and I was like, oh, I wanted to hear more. Like you're so good, and yeah. like um, the catalog I, that guy has. Yeah, <laughs> like, I hear him like acoustically too. It was like beautiful voice. Four Strong, speaking though, I did see a Four Year Strong one. They did one for a magazine. I forget which it wasn't AP, but it was something. Might have been AP actually. Maybe might might have been AP. And same thing. It was like three songs, and I was like, ah, oh, I wanted more. Yeah, and yeah. It, and I mean, I get it. Like he, they have oh, yeah. stuff to do and everything. And then NFG did a did one, Newfound Glory. Um, and they decided like we're gonna do like the biggest online event ever. So they wanted this was to, like they raised the fucking bar yeah, for live performances that day. They, yeah. they wanted to do um like a fundraiser for color of change. So they were like, Okay, so what do we do? Forty songs. They did a forty song set. Um and that one was super fun it was like energetic newfound glory is just a super energetic band um 40 songs though that's you know it seems it is a lot of songs yeah but think about their catalog they probably have oh not, man not 200 but probably over 100 probably like maybe 120 150 songs probably yeah 
And I they, mean, think about like the side, like the covers they've done, and like the the superhero thing they yeah, did. Yeah, you know? international. There's so superhero. many songs they could just pull out of their ass. Yeah, yeah, and they like they just bring it. They're always really fun, and it's just four of them, and they still manage to make it sound like Wait, was, uh, super cool. Ryan Key wasn't there. No, he was not. But God damn it, there was guest appearance from um, the singer of Bayside, Anthony Ranieri. Okay, that's um, right. And. Uh, Will, whatever of cartel. Oh, P- Putney. Think Putney. Is. Is yeah, Putney? That, yeah. He he came on for a song. I forget which songs, but um, because they played so many. But yeah. um, they, they I think they wanted to really promote like the new record too. Um, so they played some tunes off of that, but they went all Which is great. through their catalog. Yeah, we, yeah. If you haven't heard, we went back and we reviewed that, uh, last weekend, last week, yeah. or the week before that. And, uh, it was, yeah, it's a great record. Yeah. And getting tattooed by him again at the end of the, dude, I gotta do that just to say I got tattooed by him. Such like a, a fan, fan boy. I don't such know Such a cool guy. Like, so, so down to earth and like very talented. He's a really good tattoo artist. Um, he he has his own unique style, which I like a lot. Yeah, it's kind of very minimalist. Minimal, yeah, not, yeah. But it's like I, someone that has he's only probably done it for five, not even ten years, probably something like that. Yeah, and he knows he didn't want to go out and start doing chess pieces. He was yeah. just doing things that he knew that he could probably tackle and make it look yeah. for sure. And it's it's a good kind of like side gig for him too, but. Yeah. I don't think um, he needs it though. I'm sure he makes enough money from this band. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um and then Wonder Years. Uh Wonder Years was great. They did a stripped down like acoustic set. They have this whole like art project called like Burst and Decay. So it's all acoustic renditions of their songs, but like they're kind of like alternate renditions because they add other instruments and stuff like that. Do you ever hear the uh speaking of four years strong there, like acoustic album? I did, and I like that it, a lot. Is it kind of like that? It's like kind of reimagined a lot is. of their songs. Yeah, yeah. Okay. they're they're a little more acoustic, th- more a little bit more so than okay. like the the four year album. But um, what, Wonder Years are great. That it was solid quality. Um, the singer was in his own box because he was like, I don't want to like sing and get all the you know germs everywhere. So he was in his own box with headphones, <laughs> listening to the people outside. See, as a sound engineer, I go, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't care about COVID. I'm care about sound. Yeah, <laughs> I'd rather you be in this this closet just for you can just to sound good. Yeah. the COVID thing is just an added plus. Yeah, but so yeah. he was like, he was like, this is the most <laughs> awkward thing ever because I feel like I'm just like sitting here in a like I'm literally sitting in here room like oh he's singing. done that hundreds of times for hundreds of hours <laughs> yeah but he was he he it was so but, awesome but then between songs he'd had to like kind of talk to the yeah. fans like that's yeah. probably the awkward part I could get that yeah yeah and he would answer questions they would send him and then finally yeah. uh well yesterday was it yesterday Sunday yeah um Silverstein did a set and I they did it on a Neve console, like a 1980, some four, seven Neve console. Um, as much as that is, is analog, it's probably pushed into some, a lot of digital stuff, but it's yeah. very still cool that it's all the preamps and stuff. Yeah. Are probably all, all tube amps, which is, is just fucking rad. Yeah. And they had like four HD camera angles and everything going on. Um, 
and in a studio in it's a studio like, yeah like the the nfg like uh, um kind of go kind of go back what which like the kenzu one was just like at his desk at his desk kinda, yeah kind of sucked that was the other reason the sound wasn't crazy he was he was using your mic though i think pretty sure he was oh, using yeah. a sm7 yeah um and nfg then, was on a stage yeah with lights and with everything. lights and stuff so yeah. that was really fun it kind of felt like you were there and then yeah. wonder years was in a studio yeah, it was all like studio. boxed off and stuff. And then Silverstein yeah. was in a studio where they recorded their last album, "A Beautiful Place to Drown." Um, Even in like the biggest studio A's, like main rooms at like some nice studios, they're not big rooms. No, so I can understand. Like I saw some of the footage of like the camera guy kind of just standing yeah. there as much as he could, because it's not, even you know they're a big band. They're like, very big. Yeah, what five six. Six of them, I think. Five, five, five there's yeah. No key, there's no keyboard player. He, they uh, had a guest a keyboard player come in. Um, which oh, okay. Was well, then cool. there you go. It's even more. Yeah. But um, yeah. they're great. That band is. I can't say enough good about them. They're one of the best at yeah. what they do. We were fanboying, texting each other yesterday about uh, Shane. Right, that's his name. Shane. Yeah, he just. That's it. Dude, the the be be able to sing that well and scream live, going back and forth, and then also do Running it for around. twenty years. <laughs> yeah, dude, for maybe thirty years. I don't know how long he's been in bands and stuff, but yeah, like he's been smart about it. He is, <clears throat> yeah, and he um he just a very humble dude. Like the whole band seems silly. Like in yeah, between, they're all nice Canadians. Yeah, yeah, they're nice Canadian boys. In between each song, they would have ads. Like, or like every couple songs, they would have ads and it would just be really stupid, like funny ads for like, oh, they did like skits. Yeah. Like little oh. skits. They were really funny. It was like, that's funny. Adult swim, Tim and Eric style, <laughs> but, um, for it, like not real products. No. Well, one See, of them, one, two of them were, one of them was, was advertising say. their record and okay. then the other one was an announcement that they're doing the second half of Redux, which is just like re-recording like old classics. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's coming. Yeah, New. a lot of bands are doing that now. It's pretty cool. Um, it'd be, it, they'd be since if they're they're doing those clever commercials, it would have been smarter if they did like reached out to some of their like clothing sponsors or guitar drum sponsors and like oh they did one for uh, Ernie Ball. Well, it so was really funny. It was like yeah, all black. Yeah, because they got to get paid. You just go like, hey, give us 500 bucks and we'll make yeah. a dumb video for you guys on our live video. It was all black and white and it almost seemed like one of those like fancy cologne commercials. Like like a film noir yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, like super That's deep funny. voice. Like it's that you know the six strings when you see <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And it's, it is super funny. Uh, they're, yeah, those clever uh, Canadian boys. Yeah. Well, I gotta check that one out. I saw that uh, Under Oath did one recently they're, too. Did you? They did or, one for Lost in the it? Sound of Separation. They're doing one for um, Define the Great Line this week. So they're playing just like the full album. Yeah. Beginning to, oh, and then okay. the f next week is the one I bought a ticket to, which is they're only chasing safety. Cause I was like, wow. that's one of my favorite yeah, records. And then record, they're recording that, uh, the observatory. Yeah. I or saw, is I saw it a at couple the observatory. Yeah. That's like the, one of the main things they're like pushing is like filmed at the observatory, orange County. Got it. Like, so. Super cool. It looks like, cool. Yeah, I saw some like clips of it, and it's very under oath, like black minimal yeah. light. Them rocking the fuck out. So I'd be down to see that one. I'm excited to uh, 
to get my vinyl because they put their vinyls out again those three records they did it as a box set and they did each one individually i'm like you have one of them that um i don't know how big of a fan i am of lost in the sound of separation anyway it was it was good but it's 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 i think it's a good record but it was very obvious that aaron wasn't there but yeah on on this or he was the same side he was there for that one disambiguation he was oh i'm sorry you're right i was getting those mixed up um it's it's a good record it's just i like for me to find the great line and um they're only chasing safety will always be like tip top those two will yeah go about they go to battle in my head all the time yeah to find the great line i didn't buy the vinyl for i might need to do that um just because it's i gave so you good you oh, not gave you but let me, you, you let me yeah let you borrow i'm not gonna because i know you take care of it and you're more than welcome to play it but i have yeah one of the coolest vinyls i have is the only uh yeah only chasing safe no uh lost in the sound of separation yeah god they and have weird like title it's hard to mix saw up. blades for Dude, the they're vinyl sick, right it's yeah they're cool. like different colors and it was wrapped in a blanket and it was yeah it was like the coolest pre-order gift i've ever gotten i pulled that out the other day to because i've been like cleaning through my vinyl like opening the ones that are unopened and listening to them and i showed liz and liz was like holy crap make a make a cool instagram video i will those albums and yeah tag me and i'll repost it um yeah and then little mention right there follow us on instagram individually the stocksy and robert arthur main and you'll see fun stupid stuff all right Let's get into it. We have a lot to get over. Um, yes, we do. You played you golf. Yeah, I'll just mention that real quick. I, I That's what I did yesterday. I haven't been doing much, but I've been looking forward to playing some golf with my brother-in-law, Kevin. He's not really my brother-in-law, but I called my brother-in-law and his friend, Tommy, and then Kevin's dad, Terry. And I played and uh, we went to Costa Mesa Country Club on the they have two courses there. I don't remember what the names are, but it's like the left one. If Got there, it. If anyone's ever been there. And uh, I played pretty good. I didn't get any birdies. Last time I played, I got at least one birdie. I got like four pars. Um, shot like a 92, I believe. I don't know what the actual par is, but uh, it's pretty good. Got some good shots. I got one shot that was fucking beautiful. Less than a foot from the whole approach kind of thing. That nice. Was, that's how I was talking to Tommy, uh, Kevin's friend. About, he's like, what do you what do you usually play? What's your score? What's your handicap? I was like, honestly, I don't really think about it. Yeah. Um, I, I at the end of the day, if I if I think it has like a batting average more, yeah. that's where my head goes is baseball segue into the next thing we'll talk about. It's um, so close it's, to baseball, like the swing, especially the, the swing. It's yeah. really hard for me because I. It, um, but like at the end of the day, if I'm like, if I've gotten like thirty percent good shots versus the other seventy percent like bad decent shot, like you know, kind of okay shots. I'm okay on the day, you know, yeah. I walked away with like a few shots, like the first hole, I killed it. I got a par. It was like, that was a great way to start off. And then it was a decline, but then I got a couple other shots, but like, yeah, like baseball, the swing, especially with me, like growing up having baseball, my m- main sport, I played golf on the side, but it's really hard for me not to bring my baseball swing into my golf swing. Cause it's, yeah, it's a lot of similarities. But uh, yeah, a little golf on the side. But yeah, let's get into baseball because I'm fucking excited. Yeah. I want to get this this podcast over with today because Angels are playing at six. They're playing the uh, Padres. Got to get ready. Um, yeah. Um, 
What do you think, bud? Like, how do you, how do you feel about them playing right now during this time? Is it smart? Um, is it not? Okay, so I, I like mixed feelings. I do think our like our country is in need of something that is hopeful because everything sucks right now, and I'll say that pretty candidly. Um, <laughs> Everyone, I think, agrees. Either yeah, side, the right or the left, will agree that everything it sucks right sucks. now. Sucks. <laughs> yeah, and so. Um, my my idea is like yes it gives us something to like hope for but as well uh there are more players you know testing positive which i'm kind of scared for i know one of the the angels guys it was reported i think yesterday one of their pitchers has it um i didn't read that i don't know his name i did Um, read i think what you might have read was one of them had it and got better and uh, as now what, oh yeah and now julio terran terran julio terran discusses his battle with coronavirus oh, oh no i'm now just seeing that i haven't seen that That's uh yeah he tested positive but um i mean it in all all in all it's like their choice um it was sorry you know Reagan, matt thysis uh, that was the guy I was trying to think of. Oh, he got had it. it, and then I think has come back since then. But man, losing Julio Teheran, yeah, Teheran, right? yeah, that sucks. He's, it does. He's one of our newer relievers, and it's it's just it is a danger. I think that they kind of anticipate and they know about. So, I mean, if they're choosing to play still, it's you know because they it's something they love that they feel they could get you know kind of escape it for a little. And as yeah. long as there aren't a shit ton of fans in the, you know, stands, which there are going to be none, right? So, like... Yeah, they've been pumping... I'm not sure if they're going to do it at Angel Games, but they've been pumping in fan noise. Which yeah. Which is, like... Honestly, turn that shit off. I'd rather hear the sounds of the game. Yeah, for sure. <sighs> that would be a good idea. So, I, I mean, I, I'm on the fence about it. I guess we'll see oh, how it goes and... So, uh, let know. me back up a little bit. Um... Today's not the official day of like the season. They actually are doing a few preseason, pre-season games. Game, yeah. So today is actually a preseason game against the Padres. Our season, quote unquote, doesn't start till Friday. Yeah. But uh, looking at, we got Canning um, pitching it for us today. And guess who's who's going against him? Mr. Garrett Richards. Oh, boy. <laughs> he used to be an angel. I love Garrett Richards. I was kind of bummed that we lost him, but he didn't pan out to what he was supposed to be. He was yeah. supposed to be like better than Jared Weaver and he just no never, never did that. <laughs> no. But um, um but still, yeah, you know, I still like him though. I think I think it's exciting for people and I'm sure the players are like, yes, I finally get to actually play a game or whatever. But yeah. just be I hope they're careful and they're healthy and you know, all that. We'll see. Cause they, yeah, they are the first like team sport to start. They've done a few soccer stuff around the world, but for America, yeah, you know, they've done like MMA, I guess, overseas too. But this is the first time. This is different, yeah, yeah. So I wish they wouldn't have done an experiment on my sport. I, wish they I know. Done it on like basketball or hockey. <laughs> we don't need we'll our see. players I, getting off. I still just have a bad feeling in the back of my head that halfway through the season, like a whole team is going to get it and they're just going to like, fuck it, scrap the whole season. That was yeah. a fun experiment. Let's, let's, we'll just wait. But I'm hoping that doesn't happen. Let's, let's hope it doesn't happen. And then I hope everybody's healthy. Smart. Yeah. They're doing it the right way. All right. <clears throat> Enough baseball talk. Let's get into some, uh, scrutiny scales. Um, 
Do you want to end? Let's, let's end with Palm Springs. Let's get ours out of the way. Do you want to do sure. your American Horror Story? Yeah, sure. Um, so I recently, my wife and I sat down and watched, basically binge watched all of American Horror Story Hotel. I think it's like fourth or fifth season. Um, but it's the one with Lady Gaga. Um, I like obviously don't want to spoil too much if you haven't seen it, but um, I went into it with really low expectations because all the reviews were like, it's one of the worst or whatever. Have you seen the previous seasons? I've seen like all of them up until then, and I haven't oh, okay. seen Cult, um, Apocalypse, or like the 1984, or 1982 one, or whatever it's called, the slot newest one. Um, okay. I, I love this show. Like, I think it's a great idea. Like, anthology shows are already re- always really cool. Um, the actors in this were fantastic. Um, I think Lady Gaga did a really good job. She's has a lot of talent. Like, she's just good at what she does. I feel the same way about her as like Justin Bieber. I'm not a big fan of their music or yeah. what they do, but I can't doubt doubt their musical ability. Yeah. I'm not and a huge as a, as a musician. I that's it's that's yeah. horrible. If you, if you are you know to hate someone just for what they are and not look at their musical ability, that's yeah. You know, and she's got it. Some <laughs> of the standouts this time around, like Evan Peters, he's one of like their main guys. He was insanely awesome in this one. He was uh he kind of plays like this old school like forties oh yeah yeah, yeah. type guy know. with like he's, a mustache. Um, He's like the uh, the fast guy in uh, Quicksilver, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's okay. He was great as the. Yeah, like um, he's a serial killer, and it actually that really connects with H. H. Holmes because he um, basically built had the hotel built. It was built with a bunch of different rooms and everything, um, and he ended up being a serial killer that used the hotel for those purposes. And it's nice. actually very much um, connected to H.H. H. Holmes. It took a lot of um, uh, what he did. Yeah, what he did and kind of played on that. Sarah Paulson was awesome. Kathy Bates is always awesome and shit she's in. She's so crazy. Um, yeah, if, if some people don't know. Like, I don't watch the show, but I know that the one, one of the cool things that I respect about the show is that they, it's like a different story every season, but they yeah. keep a lot of the cast. I know, yeah, because Lady Gaga, you said Angela like, Bassett too is another a, one. There's a handful of same, but they twist them kind of every season to make them somewhat different, right? Yeah, and okay. do they do they connect at all? At all? Yes, they're in oh, the, within okay. like the same universe, like universe kind of thing. Some okay. characters from like. Uh, if you haven't seen Coven, Coven is the witch one. I haven't Angela, seen one episode of this show. I've and, just seen like clips. Yeah, Angela Bassett was in that one. Um, there's a uh, who was it? I don't know the actress's name, but she was in the the Coven one, and she comes into this one and is like, "Yeah, I'm a witch and everything," and like, "Oh shit, she's from that last season." Um, oh, okay. And then there's uh, my favorite character in all of this was Dennis O'Hare. Um, he played uh, this. Um, her name's Liz, so transgendered. Um, amazing. Okay. In this, like, she was like my favorite part of the entire 
like series that season. Wait, her or him? Her, because uh, oh, he Dennis plays. O'Hare is pl- plays. Gotcha. Sorry, yeah, I was confused. Tra- for a second. transgender I was like, I was woman. To... Gotcha. Um, yeah, he looks familiar. Why? Where do I know him from? Um, I you know what? I don't know. He's Dallas been... Buyers Club. Yeah, he's hmm. he's probably not like doesn't play like major roles, but yeah. um, he's he uh, he's a very um, well-known gay actor, but he played um, a transgendered woman, which was awesome. That story hit me the hardest because it was like so powerful. Like it was actually a moment of like coming out of the weird horror fantasy stuff, and it was very humanistic, and I I really enjoyed that. Um, so the emotional impact of this one was pretty high for me because it had a lot to do with like trying to figure out who you are and um, and some people figure out they're crazier than they think. <laughs> um, but overall, I thought it was really, really well done. The aesthetic is like art deco because it's set, you know, it's set in a hotel that was built in the like the 40s, 30s. So super art deco. Um beautiful sets really really gory and gruesome but I, the more of that the better <laughs> like i love that stuff so <laughs> to a degree it's on fx so it's like it's not like it's yeah um, but they can get pretty gnarly on there yeah and i i i thought that the actors really delivered um they loved that you could tell they were in love with like their characters and they just played them super well um Overall, I gave it an 80. A lot of people would disagree with me, but I personally think that it was super original. Um, You have kind of a vampire story. You have a story of like these serial killers. And then you have this story of this, uh, you know, this father who became, you know, transgendered. Um, So that is a story all in itself, too. So I think that if you if you're gonna start somewhere obviously start at the beginning of the series but um when you hit this one if you followed it regularly and you enjoy the other seasons i think you'll like it um i thought it was one of the more strong ones a lot of people definitely disagree with me but um i give it an 80 uh so i would recommend watching it's pretty it high. i yeah it, there's something about it like just the aesthetic got me like i'm like oh that's super would cool you, would you feel like one of our because our scrutiny scale we've we found it's it's a weird it's a weird scale because yeah. sometimes it's like you really love something and then you'll do the scale and it's like 80 i would give this thing a 99 but the scale doesn't lie i think it's or one vice of, versa you you'd think it's terrible but yeah. somehow it's a better score i i think this would have been higher um just yeah. off of based off how I felt about it. I thought I think it's just so brilliantly done that they can continue doing these stories is like beyond me. Yeah. I kind of try Smart. to let go of the critic, you know what I mean, like when I watch stuff like this cuz it's this is just made for entertainment enjoyment purposes. So I try. Um, um it was good. What I, also what I was trying to say was like with the scale though. I feel like anything that you and I scale that's like 75 or above even that's kind of low is usually something that people should check out yeah i mean maybe we should figure out some kind of line that like if it hits a certain number then go watch something (laughs) yeah because that's the other thing we wanted to show people is like there are gonna be there are gonna be some movies that we like are excited about and are 
terrible or TV shows or something. But for the most part, we usually watch stuff that's down our alley. That's probably something we like for sure. But you know, every once in a while, but we should figure that out. Like let's start looking at go our numbers. Go or no and, go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll figure out some kind of clever thing in there. And if you guys, if you guys have an idea, hit us up because we're yep. always down to hear what you guys think. Um, let me hit my review real quick. I just watched, um, kind of segues later into our uh, serial killers, but I watched the new Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix, which is a is an older show back in the day um, with, uh, what was, oh, God damn it, what was his host's name? I had it earlier. Um, Robert, Robert Stack. I knew, I knew it was Robert. I can't remember if it was uh, something else in the last name, but Robert Stack. Um, you might recognize him with like, they've made memes about him and everything. And it was always, I remember watching it as a kid and it's, this, this show scared the shit out of me. It was like murderers out there they've never caught or like weird alien shit or weird government stuff. And it was just like, they would show you this awesome depiction and in interviews and then, then just leave you hanging like, yep, it's unsolved. All right. On to the next one. It was just like, what the fuck? Like <laughs> that stuff's not unsolved. How is that not unsolved? So I was like really looking forward to watching this and, um, Right off the bat, um, I think one thing that really distinguishes the old one was Robert Stack being the host, like, welcome to Unsolved Murders and or Mysteries, and he would kind of narrate throughout the thing. Yeah. This one didn't have that. It didn't have a host. I think he's passed away since then, so he can't do it, but it would have been nice if they could have maybe found someone new and, like, kind of stuck with that, like, you know outline for sure um but on top of that though um it was done really well and i was looking some research and it was it was done with the original um production company uh cosgrove mirror um but also sean levy who's a uh, executive producer on stranger things he came in and kind of redid the whole look of it and um it's very creepy and it's shot very well the it's um they did, uh, let's see here. Um, how many episodes? Sorry, one second. Um, this Wikipedia page sucks. That's where we go for our information, everybody. <laughs> Wikipedia. Um, here, I'll go to IMDb. That's my second one. But um, they did, most of them, I think there was six or seven. Most of them were about, like, murders. Um, there were a lot of cold cases. It wasn't so much... Like it was mystery for sure. Yeah. Um, but it, it wasn't so much, you know, we've seen like making a murderer and stuff like that. It was kind of the vein of that. Not to say it's not good. It was still very compelling. A lot of these stories were like, what the fuck? Like, Is how there are like not- actual footage and stuff or, um, some of the stories. Yeah. It depended on, on the case. Um, yeah. Uh, like the first one was, uh, it's mystery on the rooftop, which was a good one to start with. Cause it was definitely like, it was a murder, Oh, murder, quote unquote. Well, like it depends on what you think, but it's this guy died, and it's I don't know how he died. It's really weird. He felt like there's this. I, I won't get too much into it, but it's a weird one. Like I don't know how he died. And then the second one, thirteen minutes, this hairdresser gets killed or disappears, and it's another one. It's just like there's there's like no evidence. Like what the fuck? No video surveillance. Like nothing. Um, and the third one is house of terror. And that one is like completely in French. It was all subtitles. Yeah. Um, and going into, it, I was like, Oh shit, house of terror. Like this must be like a house covered in blood and guts. Like what am I <laughs> for? 
Nothing. If a spoiler alert, like inside the house, when they finally find the bodies, they find no blood. It's like the weirdest. Like I guess that is a mystery. But they like titled it weird, like House of Terror. Like it wasn't really a House of Terror. It's kind of just a house of death. (laughs) Yeah. Um. So that one was weird, and then No Ride Home. Um. That one was like a racial thing. It was a black guy that got killed down in Kansas, and that's just a weird cold case. And then they throw in this. Berkshire's UFO. This one was my favorite because it was this uh, September 1st, 1969 and throughout multiple cities and counties throughout Massachusetts and I think it might have crossed state lines to Rhode Island or maybe Connecticut or something. Um, Multiple people had uh, these experiences that experienced the same thing and never knew each other and it's weird. It's one of the weird... Check that one out. Yeah, one of the weirder UFO um, cases that I've heard. And then uh, Missing Witness was the last one. I'm trying to remember which one that one. Oh, that was a weird one. The last one's weird, too. It's Missing Witness. It was like a mother who had, like, these daughters. And then one of the daughters went missing. And the I, I don't know. It's it, That one was really tied up. There was a lot of... There's a couple of people that died in that one. So, and a lot of these, like the murder ones, the UFO ones, still not explained, of course, but all the other ones, the murderers and the cases have never been solved. Like a lot of these people need to be, they're still out there and need to be questioned. And that's, that's the creepiest part. That is yeah. creepy. Um, let me go through my scrutiny scale real quick. Um, so, yeah. So, different directors for different episodes, but I just put Sean Levy and Cosgrove yeah. in your productions. Cause they kind of oversaw the whole thing. Um, overall I get it. I gave it an 86. I really nice. liked the show. I binged the fuck out of it. I wanted more. Um, I might even go back and try to find the old ones, which they um, may, they, they'll probably end up. I think it might be season, on Netflix. Right? I think I might've, yeah. I mean, yeah, this was really well done. Um, the music was great. There's a lot of tones and creepy stuff. And yeah, so basically each episode is a lot of talking inter- talking heads, interviews of people, family, friends telling their story. And then the story they're telling, they'll cut to like a reenactment and they'll shoot oh, like, yeah. these scenes. And they're not like, you don't see people's faces. It's very blurred lines and you see, you know, real close up shots of stuff. But it's done really well. It's very cin- cinematic. A lot of cool drone shots, stuff like that. That's awesome. So, um, yeah. So sound and cinematography, I gave high notes. Um, I mean, quote unquote acting. This is like a documentary, uh, realistically. And because um, like the acting with the even with the reenactments, you don't really see the actors no. doing too much. But they I gave five. Don't talk either. Yeah, but I gave fives all the way around yeah. with all the talking heads people. The it was you. I I believed. Base, there was a couple of people that they interviewed that were like suspects on certain things, and I didn't believe them because they were telling bullshit stories. But all the other people, I pretty much believed everything a word they were saying. Um, I liked the idea of redoing the show, uh, other than I think they need a host. I think that'd been kind of cool. Um, but yeah, 86. Check it out, guys. You guys can binge it in a couple days. So I'll definitely do that. Yeah. All right, and then uh, Palm Springs. Yeah, Let's get into it. So Hulu um, movie, right? Yeah, one of the newer ones that uh, has come out. Um, I think it got bought at a yeah Sundance. It it uh, world premiere at Sundance, and I think it might have won a couple of reviews, and then Hulu bought it. Um, budget was only five million. Man, <laughs> Box you office. Wouldn't... 
box office $164,000. <laughs> but don't worry. They made they made their money back. Hulu paid probably a shitload of money for this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh you want to kind of with Okay, so the thing with this is I don't There's a lot give too of much away. Spoiler, yeah. Um, um if you if you look at the the, the poster, it says live like 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 there's no tomorrow. So you know what I mean? Like, that's the poster says something. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess Unless we can kind of like, kind of dance around it. Um, because I think it's better if you go into some in some movies like the Avengers, you kind of know what you're getting into. You know what yeah. I mean? But something like this, where it the it's just a picture of Andy Samberg and the girl in a pool, name? right? Uh, and Millie Millioti. What's it? Where is it? Starring oh Kristen Milioti, um she was great um yeah th- you don't know what this is going to be about yeah it I I think <laughs> if we were to kind of like get too far into it we'd spoil a lot but it is one yeah, of those just... movies where you kind of like you go into it expecting one thing like rom com it ends up being yeah let's say like yeah what you what did you think going into it um I thought it was going to be like a you know just like a rom-com maybe with some like i don't know uh just some weird crap that happens like like think like hangover like weird events happening all over the place but it ended up being something completely different um there have been movies like it but i think this one one there's one in particular I'm thinking yeah, of. Yeah, but even saying that will give yeah. the fucking whole thing away. Um, yeah. So we won't go there, but um, I, I feel like... it's a very like, good movie. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's good movie. really good. It, <laughs> the, 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 there's a lot of touching moments in it. Um, a lot of moments where you're like, man, like it make, made me like re-examine the way I kind of think about, oh, you know, yeah. maybe waking up and... You know um, what I do throughout the day. So okay, yeah, um, you're tiptoeing. You're tiptoeing yeah, around it. Definitely doing that. <laughs> um, but I think I I really liked where they took it, and like J.K. Simmons being in it was awesome. I like the role he played. He's always good. He's hilarious. Like, name, name a you could probably name a bad movie J.K. Simmons is in, but he wouldn't probably. It. But you'd probably you'd probably still say, well, J.K. Simmons was good though. In yeah, it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I don't know yeah. if he's really been in like to any terrible movies. He's played, but... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But he's played these little tiny parts, and yeah. he's not even in this too much. But the parts that you do it's see, hilarious. Is, yeah. And I honestly wanted more of him. I can say this: I wanted more of him going after Andy Samberg. Yes, almost you know like I mean? a, almost like Looney Tunes style. Just like, out of nowhere, like yeah. just screwing up the storyline and something he has to deal with. And yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I thought but it was going to be the, kind of like a garden state kind of movie, you yeah. know, with Zach Braff kind of this art middle-aged 38, you know, going through midlife quarter life, third life crisis kind of thing. And this chick trying to bring him down to earth. And it kind of is in that sense, but not at all. <laughs> no. And the, one of the moments I could think of is in one of the most memorable quotability. I gave this, pretty high just because i like this quote is like find your irvine that oh my was god I so love that. awesome that's such that an was... awesome line like holy crap that's like the whole but movie I think, in one i think people like in new york 
might get the idea that he needs to find a place that's peaceful and, and yeah. like life. But Southern California people know that like Irvine is like, it's kind of what it is. It's very, it's very beautiful, yeah. beautiful houses sprawled out. And- Rich people kind of live out there and there's a lot of kind of some, somewhat tech out there that live, you know, that work out there and it kind of made sense. It's like, yeah. yeah, Irvine is a nice place to live. There's not yeah. a lot of crime or anything. So yeah. And it's uh, just that whole scene was beautiful to me. Like yeah. that backyard scene. So um, without giving too much away at all, like we then, can't wait, say but a then lot. The way, the way it ends too is great. Yeah. <laughs> In yeah. the trash can. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Let's, let me go through my screen scale. I, I didn't, um, I, I gave it four for, um, sound or uh, for, you know, for quality i couldn't remember any but i knew there was a bunch in there and i want i know i'm gonna watch this over and over not over and over again but again. i'm gonna watch this again yeah because i'm sure there's like these little things that i probably missed um, it's one of those wait, that after you watch it it will probably end up in your like your rotation of like rom-coms like really i wouldn't even put it as a rom-com you think it's more <laughs> of the other genre it's 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 a hard draw. I mean, yeah, it has moments of that, but I wouldn't put it in the same group as like a Matthew McConaughey, Sarah True. Jessica Parker, True. you know, failure to launch shit. But it's um, it's more like a Judd Apatow feel, where it's like one of his movies, except not as yeah. maybe not totally as like outlandish. You know? I could totally see like Seth Rogen being Andy Sandberg's role, like mm-hmm. that kind of. That kind of yeah. role. Um, yeah, we didn't mention San- Annie Sandberg is starring in it. Great. And then it's also directed awesome. by, our, by Max Barbaco. Barbaco? Barbaco, yeah. And I believe that's his, it's his first uh, feature debut. So he worked uh, on like True Blood and other stuff, but I don't think um, he's done much. Yeah. Right? But this is his first movie. I'm excited to uh, see what he does next because, yeah, I really like this. And if uh, you know nothing about it, go watch it. And yeah, if you do, I, if you do, you're still going to find it. It's very clever. Yeah. I gave it, yeah. um, an 84 total. I gave um, it an 83. Yeah. So right yeah. around the same thing. I, I definitely think it's a great summer movie just, and it made me want to go back to Palm Springs cause I love Palm Springs when I was out That's there. It's a nice area. Yeah. It's super cool. Um, uh, yeah. It's a good, it's a good Hulu streaming movie. Like I, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, uh, so, um, like last week we did the uh, old guard. I wouldn't mind seeing that on a big screen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Big action sequence. Like that movie would have been good. This one you don't need to really see on a no. big screen. So this one you can watch on your big screen at home. <laughs> at home, yeah. Your yeah, ninety yeah, inch TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Cool. Um. Was there anything else you want to say about it? No, because I don't want to spoil it. I think you just need to yeah. go watch it. It's it's really 90, worth your time. It's only ninety minutes. It's, yeah. Um. Yeah, I honestly kind of wish it was a little bit longer. Yeah, maybe there could have been some stuff added in there. Um, yeah, that's about it. All right, Palm Springs, go watch it. Go yeah, look. go check it out. Check it out. Let's get into some serial killers. Dun dun dun. Um, so yeah, let's get into some uh, serial killers. Uh, <laughs> Corey, hit us off with your first guy, H. H. Holmes. I'm curious about this. Educate me, Mister Stocks. All right, so H.H. H. Holmes, um, kind of, he's inspired a lot of different stories, um, very closely related to the other killer I'll talk about, which is Jack the Ripper. But um, what what H.H. H. Holmes was was this 
realistically, he was more of a con man than anything. Um, he was kind of a con man turned serial killer. Uh, his actual name was Herman Webster Mudgett. That was his actual name. Sounds, <laughs> yeah, that's H.H. H. Holmes. It's better. Sounds it sounds better. Why, um, why, so, what's, what's, why did he change it or what's the, why is that? I think it's when he moved, he wanted to separate his identity so that he wasn't caught doing mm. the, um, the types of conning that he was doing. Um, he was born in 1861 um, and he died 1896 at 35. Um but we'll get into why and everything in a minute. Yeah. Um, he confessed to thirty or twenty-seven murders. He like when he was caught, he confessed to twenty-seven. Nine were confirmed. Like so, only nine of those were confirmed. And um, he is rumored that through like legend and folklore to actually have killed more like two hundred people. But wow, that's unfounded. But it's not. I'm not doubting that it was probably more than nine just because um, of the circumstances of how he would kill people. Um, he was a contemporary, so he was around the time that Jack the Ripper was doing his thing in um, London, on the streets of London. And he was probably... Oh, so kind of competitors. <laughs> yeah, he was probably even inspired by him, actually. Um, so... Going back to his uh, kind of his beginnings, um, he grew up kind of practicing the skills of being a con man um, while at the same time showing those serial killer tendencies with like animal, like killing animals and things like that, where like it just started kind of to be clear that he was going to go in that direction. Um, he would evade tax collectors. He would, um, when he was, as he got older, he wouldn't pay his taxes. He wouldn't pay back, um, debts. So he would borrow money and just never give it back. Um, and when they tried to come at him, he would, you know, con his way out. Uh, in the end, he, he was a really smart person. Um, he graduated at 16, started uh, medical school at like 19 years old. Um, and he was able to kind of fulfill his obsession with like the body and dissection and stuff like that. He would dissect cadavers and stuff like that with his, you know, medical team. But he also began stealing the cadavers and using them for insurance fraud. Nice. So like he would get the money from that. Um, there was actually a really interesting YouTube video that kind of outlines parts of his life that um, we could actually put right here. All right. Um, so, From uh, A&E. Yeah, we'll go. go ahead and roll that. America's first serial killer. Kills a boy in Burns Killing for him is about power. The murder case. H.H. Holmes was one of America's first serial killers. At the time of Jack the Ripper in London, Americans thought they were safe. But little did they know what horrors were inside a hotel just outside the Chicago World's Fair. H.H. Holmes is born Herman Webster Mudgett in 1861. It's in his hometown of Gilmanton Academy, New Hampshire, that his interest in bodies begins. As a boy, he's terrified of the town doctor. Some local heathens lock him in the office with the doctor's skeleton. This incident cures him of his fear and starts him on the path to being a doctor. But first, a little romance. And I mean very little. He marries Clara Lovering on July 4th, 1878, but abandons her shortly after. 
He goes to University of Michigan Medical School in 1882, but also gets an education in fraud. During the summer of his junior year, he becomes a traveling book salesman, but instead of turning the money in, he just keeps it. He keeps buying things on credit and pocketing the proceeds instead of paying for the goods. And he keeps getting away with it, thanks to his remarkable charm, which he also uses to get a job at a drugstore in Chicago in 1885. It's owned and operated by a Mrs. Holton, whose husband is dying of cancer in the apartment upstairs. It's hard for her to care for her husband and run the store, so H.H., as he's now known, offers to buy the store and let them keep their apartment upstairs. But shortly after he becomes a business owner, Mrs. Holton suddenly and mysteriously moves to California. In 1887, he marries Murda Belknap, even though he never actually divorces Clara, and they move into Mrs. Holton's now vacant apartment. Murda helps run the drugstore, but gets jealous of the young ladies that come in and flirt with her husband. In the summer of 1888, a pregnant Murda moves back in with her parents. Holmes visits her and their daughter, but enjoys having them not so close, because he has some other stuff to attend to. He purchases the empty lot across the street and builds a three-story building of his own design, which includes a drugstore on the first floor, hotel on the second, and apartments on the top. Men are in large part turned away from the hotel, so it becomes filled with women for Holmes to prey on. He's a forgiving proprietor, often forgiving young women of their debts when they suddenly leave town without their belongings. His office is also on the second floor, which is complete with a soundproof vault that's hooked up to a gas line. The basement is outfitted with a kiln he says he uses for blowing glass, despite the fact that it's the wrong size for blowing glass. It is the right size for burning bodies, though. The killing for him is about power. He would seduce a woman, and once she was his, he would kill her. He does this with Julia Connor, who becomes pregnant during their affair. He convinces her he would marry her only if she gets an abortion that he will perform. Instead, he just kills Julia and her 12-year-old daughter, Pearl, with chloroform. When asked, whatever happened to that Julia and Pearl, he would just say they moved back to Iowa. The consummate salesman, he even finds a way to profit from the bodies. He dissects the bodies to the point that they can't be recognized, because he's a doctor and he knows how to do that, and then he sells the skeletons to medical schools. He repeats this almost exactly with Emmeline Sigran and Minnie Williams, whose sister Anna he also killed. He even fakes wedding announcements from Emmeline and a fictional man and sends them to her family, never mind that she never mentioned this dude to anyone. By 1893, people begin to catch on to him. Creditors and private investigators put on the heat. The fall of that year, he's called to attorney George Chamberlain's office and is confronted by two dozen creditors and a detective. He pleads, he charms, he's eventually told to go in the hallway while the creditors talk over what to do with him, and because they let him go in the hallway, he promptly flees the scene. He decides it's time to leave Chicago. Precious Minnie Williams had signed over her land in Texas to HH, and that seemed as good a place as any to start over with his new bride, Georgiana Yoke. Don't worry, she doesn't get killed. He takes out an insurance policy on the life of his assistant slash servant slash helper, Benjamin Peitzel, who he brings with him. The plan is to fake Peitzel's death and collect the insurance. Well, that's Peitzel's plan. Holmes's plan doesn't involve a fake death, but a real one, because that's his thing. He then tricks Peitzel's wife into letting him bounce around the Midwest and Canada with three of her children, Alice, Nellie, and Howard, to see their definitely not murdered father. Detective Frank Geyer tracks his journey and finds the bodies of Alice and Nellie in a cellar in Toronto. Holmes takes Howard to Indianapolis, where he kills the boy and burns the body. Holmes is finally arrested on November 17, 1894, 
tried and sentenced to death. The excavation of his building, known as the Murder Castle, uncovers, among other things, a vat of acid with eight ribs in it, charred high heel shoes, various bones, and a kiln. He admitted to 27 murders, but some people he claimed to have killed were still alive, so we really have no idea how many people never left the murder castle. And we're back. Um, so, um, yeah, that's a little bit about it, kind of his life, and it kind of goes through, you know, that, but I'll kind of dive deeper into some of it. Um, in 1887, he bought a lot across the street from a drugstore building um and he it was going to be a mixed use building so he would have he would do different things there um and that's where he would later commit all of the murders and the crimes that he uh committed um he had the interesting thing to go deeper into that part of the process was that he had different people build different parts of the the uh the building so that none of them knew like the layout of the building at all. Oh, wow. So Smart. he would hire somebody to do the stairs, build them to nowhere and then fire them. And then he would bring <laughs> somebody else in and mind you, he, he didn't only fire them. He didn't pay them. Like he would, he would fire them and just be like, yep, you're gone. Where's my money? You're not getting it basically. Um, again, con man. Yeah. Um, and so this probably contributed to his ability to be able to kind of hide the murders and how he did it. Um, so the building ended up being this maze of hallways and soundproofed rooms and all that kind of shit. Um, he would murder his victims in the different rooms. Um, he would sometimes lock them in one of the rooms and then siphon or like cut uh, cut like a hole in the wall and put a gas siphon gas through it and they would suffocate to death. Wow. Um, and the reason I think he would do this is cause he wanted to um, maintain like the skeletons. He would actually skin them, take off all of the, you know, take every, the internal organs, take everything out and he would clean the bones and sell them to local like medical schools and um schools and stuff like that for a lot of money so he would that he would get a lot of money like that um he also used torture devices when you know he was inclined to that so he would he had like a stretcher you know those like stretching like boards oh where yeah yeah he had a torture device wow um but what really was creepy to me is there was this one time where he threw a woman into a safe locked the safe and then siphoned gas into the safe like imagine being trapped in there and like you know suffocating in there um but his and his like he ended up having like his downfall when he went to prison at one time and he met this guy um Hedgepeth, I don't remember his first name, but Hedgepeth was a prisoner with him and he told him all about his whole scheme and his con to like make money, not the murders necessarily, but the scheme of like opening a mixed use building and making a ton of money in like fraudulent ways. Um, and he paid him, he said, I will pay you $500 like um, to come work with me later. And he never paid him that. Um, so that he ended up informing on him like Hedgepeth informed on H.H. H. Holmes and was part of the reason he got, you know, 
um, sentenced to death. So after his trial, where Holmes claimed to be possessed by Satan, um, and like he even claimed, like my look, my features are even different. Like I've been possessed, and um, you know this demon or something. Um, he he ended up trying to use that to his advantage, but he was sentenced to death and was hanged um, like three days before his birthday or something like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of ironic, but he didn't, he didn't die right away though. He struggled for about 15 minutes before Good. being pronounced dead, but he made people suffer for longer. Um, but there was an interesting documentary on Netflix. It's called, uh, or is it on Netflix? No, it was on Amazon prime. It's called H H Holmes, America's first serial killer. And the reason it's called that is because this was like the first major report of like, you know, somebody who had committed that many murders. Um, he, there've been murderers before then I'm sure, but he was like, not to his the extent. Pinnacle, and, yeah. Yeah. And the, the lengths that he went to. Yeah. He, and yeah. He, he was basically America's Jack the Ripper, which I'll get into later. But um, yeah, I've never heard of that guy. Yeah. H.H. Oh. H. Holmes is, was no joke. He was crazy. <laughs> I'm glad they found him too. Yeah. Because so, uh, um, I know he, Jack the Ripper was never found. Nope. And uh, I'll uh, talk about my next guy. Um, the Zodiac was never found. Yeah. Um, oh, did you, I'm sorry. Did you have anything else to talk about H.H. Holmes? Kind no. Of like that. Um, that was the end. It, there's a lot of legend behind him, so it's kind of fun oh, to I go bet. down the rabbit hole and like read about the things he probably did, dump people in acid, use like, you know, various torture devices if you're into the morbid. but um, Which you are. I am. <laughs> I read all about it, but you can go down that rabbit hole online. But I like the documentary. Oh, yeah. It was concise, super, um, super, super easy to kind of watch. It was really short, but it's H.H. H. Holmes, America's First Serial Killer on nice. Prime. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. I'm curious. Because um, I'm sure there's more even that, that what you talked about. Yeah. There's going to be more about everything that we can't cover everything. These, yeah, these super weird guys long, did. Yeah crazy um but uh i think a lot of people know about the zodiac killer because there was a, a famous movie um in 2007 by david fincher called zodiac um that was the first time i ever heard about it um before the a movie, good movie for that too. i don't know did, did you ever like know about it before yeah. the movie came out yeah you did? I, i've been fascinated with serial killers since <laughs> i was like a young who is, boy who is my co-host i don't mm -hmm. know who this guy is um <laughs> I didn't. So the yeah. movie was very uh, informative for me. I remember seeing it with a few friends and they all hated it because it was so long and kind of dry. And I go, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was really good. Right. It's it's long and dry. And it was like, so no. good. <laughs> and it wasn't really super dry. I mean, I think they were expecting like this slasher kind of yeah. you know, scream movie. And it wasn't like you don't really. There's a couple scenes that are fucking intense, like the couple at the uh, the lake like that. Oh, yeah. Will always give me the shills every time. Um, so yeah, Zodiac, he, uh, he was mostly a North, North, Northern California killer. Um, sorry, wrong page. Uh, in the sixties, seventies, um, was really famous for sending in his letters to, um, newspapers 
and saying if you didn't print these, more people would die. And they would have a lot of codes and ciphers that um, a few of them, I believe, still really haven't been like cracked, but uh, a few of them have been. Um, let's see. Uh, he, I think, with like a lot of these guys, once they get caught, or maybe not even get caught because he was he wasn't caught, but um, sometimes they claim more victims than they have. You yeah. know, he says throughout his letters and stuff that he killed 37 people, but police only really confirmed that he, he did seven and two of them survived. So who's really to know if he killed these people? Cause it really at the same time we'll get into later is the original night stalker, the uh, golden state killer. Um, he was kind of around that area too. I don't know if the, I didn't really look if they overlapped at all, but he was like on a spree too up yeah. there in Northern California. So maybe he was claiming some of his killers or his kills, but, um, uh, um, anyways, I found a clip too. Also, um, I believe it's on history channel. I want to give these, um, clips, some props, you know what I mean? Um, history channel and it'll, it'll give you like a quick rundown of what I just kind of said and, uh, here, check it out. The Zodiac is among history's most ruthless killers. A genius who, between 1968 and 1970, terrorized the people of Northern California with his gruesome crimes, leaving seven victims in his wake. This guy is a pathological uh, psycho uh, killer. The Zodiac's legend grew with each horrific killing, making headlines across the country. Real nice college kids just stabbed for no reason at all. Police have investigated hundreds of suspects, but Zodiac's identity remains unknown. Zodiac has a huge advantage here. All that we have to go on is this vague physical description. There's no scars, there's no tattoos, there's no marks, there's nothing outstanding. Six foot two, 200 pounds, stocky build, ghost. These serial killers, I mean, they usually leave something or take something from each crime scene. With Zodiac, he sent letters. I mean, that's sick. The Zodiac's reign of terror extended way beyond his immediate victims. He sent dozens of letters to the press, promising constant death and destruction. In a letter to the San Francisco Chronicle, he wrote, I think I shall wipe out a school bus some morning. Just shoot out the front tire and then pick off the kitties as they come bouncing out. Is, is the Zodiac killer, is he smarter than us? Don't know, but if we can be able to break those codes, I really believe we can solve these cases. Zodiac's ultimate taunt, four mysterious coded messages sent to the press. He is a cunning man. Including his crown jewel, the holy grail of unbroken ciphers, the Z340 a grid of bizarre symbols that has stumped the NSA, FBI, and CIA for decades. But if broken, is believed to reveal the Zodiac's name. All right, and we're back. And uh, so that gives you a little rundown real quick. I mean, this, this, the crazy thing is he's never been caught. Like, that's the weirdest thing. Um, if you watch the movie, they kind of reference that they got, some people think they got really close. There's a few... Uh, a couple, at least a couple guys that were, uh, 
some people will say it's this guy. Some people will for sure say it's this guy. Yeah. And they, they've all passed away since then. So we'll never know, which is like it's so like crazy. A, the ultimate unsolved mystery. I, I feel like maybe in California, because at least they found, they finally found the golden state state killer, which uh, right now they have a new series on HBO, which I want to check out because it's uh, Patton Oswald's um, deceased wife was one of the reasons he got caught. And now they're, and he, she wrote a book or something and they made a series about it. Um, so I want to check that out. But uh, yeah, Zodiac, good movie, good, <laughs> awesome, unsolved murderer. I mean, as much as he was awful, it's a, it's a kind of a cool murderer, I yeah. guess. <laughs> Without sounding morbid. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah, that's about it. Watch the movie. It tells you pretty much everything. Uh, Robert Gold- Graysmith, he's like, uh, um, Jake Gyllenhaal, he play he plays him, and he wrote a book, and the book is the movie's basically based on his book and all of his uh, experiences at the uh, San Francisco Chronicle, and he made like uh, did some extra side work and stuff. So, yeah, Zodiac. That is a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's your next guy? Um. So another oh, yeah. unsolved mystery. Yeah. Um. Which connects with a lot with H. H. Holmes because it was around the same time. Um. But this is across the pond, you know, Europe, uh, London and Whitechapel, an impoverished town um, on the east side of London. Um, And it was an unknown killer who operated in and around 1888. But um, before we kind of dive into that, I did find a video on that. Um, So we'll pull that up. We watch it and we'll kind of deep dive. uh, who, Who does this one? Um, let me see. Jack the Ripper. Just want to give them props. Yeah. Oh, it's. <clears throat> I don't know this one. It's called Life's Biggest Questions. On yeah, YouTube. Life's Check Biggest Questions. It was. It was a good breakdown of it. So go ahead and listen to that, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Jack the Ripper terrorized East London for 12 weeks in 1888 and targeted prostitutes living and working in one of London's poorest crime districts, Whitechapel. Jack the Ripper was also known as the Whitechapel murderer. His five known victims were Mary Ann Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, and Mary Jane Kelly. The victims sometimes had their throats slashed and internal organs removed. It is unclear if the five known victims are the Ripper's only victims. Whitechapel was a densely populated area, but most of the killings happened within a few streets of each other, as well as on weekends and public holidays. The Ripper either could have been a local who worked regularly, or he was an educated, upper-class man, possibly a doctor, who targeted victims in a lower-class neighborhood. The Ripper was suspected of being a doctor because the mutilation of his victims appeared to suggest he was surgically trained. Hundreds of letters were sent to law enforcement and the media over the course of the murders, some claiming to be from the Ripper, others offering advice on how to catch him. Many of these letters were believed to have been sent by journalists, posing as the Ripper. Even though the police never figured out exactly who he was, there were definitely suspects. Aaron Kosminski, Thomas Cutbush, and Montague John Druitt were the main ones. According to new DNA evidence, the bloodstained shawl of Catherine Eddowes, one of the Ripper's victims, contained 126-year-old DNA that doctors compared to the DNA from descendants of Catherine Eddowes. The DNA matched to Aaron Kominsky. Kominsky was a Polish Jewish immigrant. He fled to London from Poland, which was being controlled by Russia at the time. He lived with his two brothers and sisters on Greenfield Street, which is where Elizabeth Stride was killed. Kominsky was said to be suffering from serious mental illness and spent much of his life in 
and out of asylums. He died in one of these institutions from gangrene. So the official story is, Kaminsky was Jack the Ripper. But according to Richard Cobb, who runs the Jack the Ripper conventions, the shawl belonged to Catherine Eddowes has been handled by many people. Not to mention, like many men living in East London, Kaminsky probably frequented prostitutes, including Catherine Eddowes. But there is another very compelling theory that makes the claim that Jack the Ripper was actually an American doctor, who goes by the name of Dr. H. H. Holmes. Holmes was America's first serial killer, who terrorized Chicago in the late 1880s. He built elaborate death traps in a massive three-story hotel, known as Murder Castle. Holmes confessed to killing 27 people, but he may have killed closer to 200. According to his great-great-grandson, Jeff Mudgett, Holmes documented the murder and mutilation of several prostitutes in London in his two diaries. He traveled to London in 1888, the same year the murders occurred. Handwriting samples between the Ripper and Holmes were very similar. One expert suggested they were written by the same hand. Apparently Scotland Yard even went to America during the investigation because there were rumors that the Ripper could be an American doctor, but they abandoned the search because of funding. Jeff Mudgett detailed his findings in a book and helped produce a series, but his theory has been met with criticism by many who believe Mudgett is just trying to sell books. There are other theories as to the Ripper's identity. Historian Mike Covell claimed the Ripper was Fred Deeming, a criminal who immigrated to Australia. Others say the Ripper was renowned artist Walter Sickert, who painted the scenes from the Ripper's murders. In all, there were around 200 suspects. Perhaps we will never know who Jack the Ripper was. It remains one of the greatest unsolved mysteries ever. Who do you think the Ripper was? Let us know in the comments below. We've come to the end of the video. Thank you so much for watching the whole thing. We just wanted to let you know we've set up a Patreon page where you can sign up to be a patron of Life's Biggest Questions. Click the link on the screen to find out what's in it for you. And if you would like to continue on your quest for answers, check out our playlist, Biggest History Questions. That is all for now, and thanks for watching Life's Biggest Questions. And we're back. Um, so that kind of details who he was, how he operated. Um, so once again, he mostly killed in the impoverished area of London known as Whitechapel. And he, um, the, uh, the reasoning for this was because the victims, you know, were easily concealed, uh, wouldn't be missed just because there were so many people tightly packed into one area. Um, but he's also... Jack the Ripper is what we've come to know him as a legend, you know, kind of the folklore behind it. But he's also referred to officially as the Whitechapel murderer, go figure, or a leather apron, which I think is pretty creepy. That's um, creepy. He mostly killed prostitutes who lived in the um in those areas and operated on the east side. Um once again because he felt that he could just it was easy to get away with um he would cut his victims throats and then disembowel them so like pull out all their internal organs and um yeah kill them that way he would disfigure their face um he was he was a brutal murderer um he also what he would do with investigators is he would also send them letters very much like zodiac <laughs> Um, and the thing, the thing about the letters is I think it is part of that narcissism that comes with being a serial killer, like wanting to make your mark and letting people know who you are while teasing them. You know what I mean? Um, I think he, I think we could make the argument that as crazy as these, these guys are, a lot of them are guys. You don't see a lot of yeah. girls doing this, um, that they could almost be referred to as geniuses, like, especially like the big guys, you know, like the guys that did a lot of years and never, never got caught. Like, yeah, to a degree, you know, well, I mean, you geniuses. think of, yeah, if you think of back to H.H. H. Holmes, he, um, 
he was a smart, smart person. He went through medical school and everything. And it is believed that Jack the Ripper also went through medical school because of the way he like was able to remove their organs and like the way he arranged his murders just seemed very clinical. Um, so a lot of people thought he was a, you know, a doctor, or a surgeon. Um, but the name Jack the Ripper actually originated in a letter called Dear Boss. So it was supposedly a hoax um, letter created by journalists to kind of hype the case and create like intrigue behind it. Um, so they'll keep reading, you know. Um, so yeah. Jack the Ripper was kind of more of a, a, a outside created force. Like, you know, the story of it was like this folklore created to freak people out. Um, then he sent another letter called the From Hell letter, which if you haven't... Uh, Johnny Depp did a movie called From Hell um, based on Jack the Ripper. Um, but the From Hell letter was addressed to George Lusk um, of the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee, which was a group of local investigators. You could think of like neighborhood watch style people um, who would go around and patrol the streets um, to protect the other civilians. But this letter was creepy because the letter was sent with a half of a human kidney in it. So he sent the letter with this piece of kidney to the investigators and kind of like tease them. You're never going to catch me. And I ate the other half of this kidney, by the way. Um, it was tasty. He even says like it was delicious. What is it? Kidney with whatever. Yeah. (laughs) God. So crazy. Um, only five killings have really been connect, like closely connected Um, so a lot of people believe that the 11 murders and all weren't just Jack the Ripper because it it said that there was like 11 murders, but only five of them held the characteristic of this guy's murder style, like, Mm. um, facial mutilation slash throats, removal of internal organs, about five of them, um, Some think it could have been multiple people, but five murders displaying the same methodology, you can kind of like only assume it was one person that did five and the others were random. I've also heard the conspiracy theory that it could have been one of the Royals. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Did you hear that? I did. And like, I don't know why, but I just remember. Yeah. And there was a, there was something that briefly flashed my, cause I, you know, we researched this for a week. You could dive in for months on this stuff. Um, especially guys from way back in the day, you know what I mean? There wasn't too much, there was record, but not record that records that like we know. Yeah. One that gave me the chills could, it's probably just silly coincidence, but like that HH Holmes, like at one point, like went to London um, and during that time these things happened so it could be that like it was oh, and they was had the Jack- similar penmanship and stuff like that um, so that that it, that's kind of a conspiracy and like a like a legend or whatever but I think that terrifies me more than just the idea of like two random guys but a guy who actually like 
created these two things would be super horrifying. Um, but he's now known in folklore and mythology. Um, Jack the Ripper is like one of the biggest things. Inspires all kinds of stories. Um, movies. Movies. Yeah. It, it, he, this one was really interesting because it's, it's another case of like, he sent a bunch of letters almost like daring them to like figure it out, but they just could not figure it out. So I'm saying um, there's some, they're kind of geniuses. Yeah. Sounds a little bit, but that's, um, yeah, that's Jack the Ripper. I wouldn't agree that my last guy is a genius though. Okay. I think that Zodiac and Holmes and uh, the Ripper were some degree of genius, but <clears throat> my last guy is Richard Ramirez. He was just a fucking asshole. He was just a weird screwed up guy. I think um, he is known as the not night stalker, but some people say he's not really the night stalker because that's the golden state killer. He really was the original night stalker and, some people say that Richard Ramirez kind of was going off what that guy did. Um, it, feel, it feels like that's a lot of copycat, even though they'll, we'll, these guys will have their own, you know, killing spree. Yeah. They always, they, a lot of people refer to them copying someone else, which is very funny. Um, but this guy was fucked up. Um, and he didn't start off too well either. He, he witnessed a murder when he was really young. He witnessed, uh, his cousin killing his wife during a domestic um, argument, which, you know, that young, that's, that's crazy. You know, um, he also, his, his dad, uh, Julian Ramirez beat him all the time. So this guy was just already getting a set to be like the worst person ever. Um, I found a clip on YouTube and it's from inside edition, um, which is kind of, you know, what's the, What's the weird magazines that tell false stories? Tabloids. Um, it's kind of tabloidy, but it's it, it, this tells the whole story. And I think this is one of the cool things about the four guys we're talking about. We're actually going to hear this guy. You know what I mean? On yeah. There's videotape of him talking. And uh, so listen to how creepy this fucking guy is. So check this out. The horror began in June 1984. Los Angeles was under siege. Death waited in the dark at the hands of a man they called the Night Stalker. After a 14-month reign of terror, he was finally caught. It was only then that his true identity was discovered. His name, Richard Ramirez. Richard Ramirez's whole trip was to hide in a tree or hide behind a fence and watch his victims at nighttime and wait into the wee hours of the night. And then while he slept, creep in, you know, like a coward, and, and kill him. The Night Stalker killed at least 13 times, 13 people who were awakened in the night to face death. At least 15 others survived his brutal attacks. I didn't particularly care for people. In a rare interview, Ramirez refused to discuss his own crimes, but had this to say about serial killers. A serial killer comes about by circumstances and like a, a recipe, poverty, drugs, child abuse, these things, you know, are, contribute to a person, uh, to a person's frustration and anger, and uh, and uh, at some point in life, he explodes. Perhaps for Richard Ramirez, that anger and frustration turned to rage, which he in turn took out on his victims. His killings were so sadistic and brutal that even experienced detectives were shocked. Well, he took a, a woman in her 60s, 
and stomped her to death with his foot, leaving an imprint of a shoe on the side of her face. Uh, from that to just executing somebody upon walking into a room after he entered a house. He strangled, he used a ligature, he used a tire iron on a, on a young girl, a beater, left her for dead. Would your anger subside if you had to wipe up your mother's blood? I couldn't finish it, I had to leave my brother to finish that chore. Why on earth would you have hurt those people? Why did you kill those people? Uh, no comments, no comments. I, I cannot answer that at this time. What was Richard's motive? To kill. That's it? To kill. It's as simple as that. Richard Ramirez was raised in El Paso, Texas, the youngest of five children born to hardworking, strict parents. Eddie Milam was Richard's best friend back then and remembers when he began to change into a troublemaker. I did start seeing something going wrong with Ricky Ramirez. I think what really messed him up was the acid. He would do a lot of acid. The stealing, you know, I noticed the stealing and then started as a peeping thumb and things like that. Ramirez's passion for burglary earned him the nicknames of Ricky the Thief and Fingers. But Eddie knew Ramirez had other serious problems when he was fired from a local hotel. He said he was fired, he was dismissed due to the cause that uh, he, uh, he had tried to molest him two little kids that were going up, up the elevator. By 18, Ramirez was a high school dropout drifting around California. He stayed in Skid Row hotels, never seemed to work, but always had the money to buy cocaine. Friends say the Richard Ramirez they knew didn't date and wasn't the type to commit such heinous crimes. But convicted murderer Martin Kipp, who befriended Ramirez in prison, says he heard another side of the night. Richard told me he needed to associate gruesome violence with sex in order to be completely satisfied. He also told me that he had to violently fantasize about his victims before he could go away sexually gratified. They are desires whereas if, where if I didn't give in to them, I would be crushed by them. I believe in the, in the evil in human nature. This is a wicked, wicked world. And uh, in a wicked world, you, wicked people are born. I'm not going to blame society, my race, or people, or anything. Uh, it is up to the individual like myself to, to keep on knocking on, on whatever door they want to get into. Because the victims and the methods of killing were so diverse, many experts felt there was no one Night Stalker. Detectives Carrillo and Salerno disagreed and finally broke the case by matching shoe prints. The subsequent trial turned into one of America's most notorious courtroom dramas, punctuated by continual outbursts from Ramirez. In that trial, Ramirez's fascination with Satanism emerged. As far as Satan is concerned, I, I believe uh, in a malevolent being. Uh, his description eludes me, but I, I have felt powers that are evil. After an eight-month trial, Ramirez was convicted of all 13 murders and given multiple death sentences. I don't care about myself, really. You know, I don't care about what happens to me. I never did, really. So yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a weirdo and uh, glad he's dead. Um, unfortunately, we didn't kill him. He was, uh, he had um, not left parole, but you know, he was supposed to be executed in California being stupid. They just kept putting it off and off like Manson, too. 
Uh, but he did eventually die of blood cancer. So I'm glad he's dead. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he spanned, um, pretty much, um, down more in Los Angeles, um, Woodier. He kind of spanned uh, some distances and, uh, ages. He killed people from like the twenties, 20 year olds to like 80 year olds. So it wasn't like he was doing it just for, you know, yeah. sexual kicks, which some of these are really like, um, uh, I I thought I I was trying to do some research. And I thought he ate people, but I guess he didn't. <laughs> he, did um, he did not eat people. Um, one weird fact: uh, one of the jurors, when he was getting uh, in court, uh, got shot. It had nothing to do with him, but still weird that yeah. in the middle of the court, uh, this this woman was shot by her boyfriend. Then he committed suicide. Just Jeez. another weird thing on top of that. Um, there's one other fact. Not did you, the original. did you What's say up? something about your, your, uh, yeah, I'm going to save that for a little okay. bit in a second. Yeah. Cause I got a good story that kind of relates to this. Um, but I had one other, well, we tried to kill his, uh, prosecutor, which is fun. Um, oh, here's the page. I'm sorry. Um, he also was a big fan of ACDC and, um, took one of their lyrics kind of the wrong way. It was from a song. Um, <clears throat> it's called night prowler. And the lyrics go was, was that noise out your window or a shadow on your blind? And you lie there naked, like a body in a tomb suspended in animation as I slip into your room. And he took that to fucking heart. <laughs> did that. And, and since then, uh, Brian Johnson from ACDC is just like, it's just sickens me just sickens, you know, it sickens to have anything to do with that kind of thing. So he didn't like that too much. Um, one, th one crazy thing, how he was brought down, uh, obviously he was on the run in Los Angeles, Southern California was really scared. They were locking yeah. stuff down and he, people were fucking scared of this guy for a while. And, um, weirdly enough, he was walking down the street, walked past some police officers. They didn't even recognize him, goes into a liquor store and some little Mexican lady yells out, uh, El Monton, which is the killer, I guess. And everyone started looking around and realized it. And a mob basically of like 200 people Damn. took this guy down until the police came, which is kind of crazy. Um, and then also one of the reasons that they were able to fixate on this guy brings into my life story. Um, I wasn't in his life, but my stepdad, John, he is a retired LA County Sheriff. And I don't know exactly the date or whatever, or a year, but um, he was living with his first wife and he had three daughters and he was working at the jails. Cause it's kind of what you do when you first yeah. become a cop, you kind of have to put the time at the jails. And he would work these weird hours, you know, and he even, he even worked weird hours when he was a regular sheriff too. You know, they just, it's just weird days, weird hours. So his wife was used to him not being there and not being, you know, and one night in, uh, um, shit, I can't remember what Ontario might be on, I'm trying to remember what city, Pico, I might've been Pico Rivera. Um, uh, one night late at night, the uh, wife Lorraine was woken up by some loud sound and she got up and figured it was John coming home from work yeah. or going to work. It was like four in the morning 
And she goes downstairs, turns on the lights, and she's like, John, John, you there? And no answer. And she looked over in his window that is was never open. They, it was a window that like, they'd never opened as a family. Yeah. It was kind of painted shut, and it was just too hard to open. That just, you know, and it was open, like not all the way, but it was like cracked open. And she's like, what the fuck? So she calls John. She's like, hey, were you home? Like, what's going on? Like, no, I'm not home. So she... She and him, I think John probably helped call the police. They came down, investigated, and turns out that it's more than like 90% sure that it was Richard Ramirez trying to get into my stepdad's house. And what they took from that was he stepped in one of their gardens with the soil and picked finally a footprint from him. And they it was so crazy when these that's even Zodiac, they can kind of narrow down these people just by the shoe print. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? They can figure out, all right, so it's that kind of shoe. Uh, When was it sold? How was it sold? Like they can figure that out, which is crazy. So they, with my John, with my John, with my stepdad, John, and this story, they helped kind of narrow down who this guy was. And luckily they didn't get killed. Fucking thank God. Yeah. That's Um, terrifying. But uh, another side note to that, recently he got interviewed with um, his ex-wife, Lorraine, for a Netflix show that's coming out about, I'm I'm not sure too much of the details of if it's just Richard Ramirez or if it's a show that covers a bunch of serial killers, but they had them come sit down like a full production and they, it was so cute, you know, because I work in film, my, my mom, my, you know, his new wife was there too. And then she was sending me pictures of all the cameras and like, look, I'm, I'm you today, Robert. I'm like, Oh, that's cute. Mom. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, was, it seemed like a, like a really good production. So I'm curious, uh, what that's going to be. Yeah. And, uh, cause sure. I've only really, <clears throat> I've only heard it. I've never really like sat down with my stepdad, John and like, tell me the story. Like I've only heard it through, you know, throughout the years and yeah. they have, I was kind of surprised. I was looking at the Richard Ramirez uh, Wikipedia and they don't mention my stepdad at all, which I'm surprised because it was kind of a break in the story. There's a lot of detailed stuff about Richard Ramirez, but nothing about that. Um, but they did, they have written about him in previous books and stuff about him. But uh, yeah, that's my little that's five degrees of uh, terrifying uh, of serial killers. Um yeah, be careful out there, everybody. I think the the main thing is don't <laughs> lock those doors at night. Make sure those windows are nice and tight, regardless of where you are. And maybe uh, unofficial sponsor, Ring Doorbells. Yeah, Ring Doorbell. <laughs> I have one. one. Even though my, my Ring Doorbell only really gets the cats going in and <laughs> out. I've never gotten any like porch pirates or anything. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, Richard Ramirez. There you go. Scary as fuck. And I'm glad all these guys are dead, basically. Yeah. Right? We haven't, I mean, has there been a, uh, like, yeah, was, like, the last... I was talking about this, like, after watching the H.H. Holmes documentary with Liz, and we were saying, like, it's more than likely because of the rise of, um, like... Cell law, phones. Like, and well, yeah, and, like, the way that... CSI. Yeah, CSI and all that stuff, that it's so hard for you to get to that serial killer status because they, you know, they catch you before you know um yeah it's pretty hard to get away with that stuff now like just because of all the technology we're not challenging anyone to do it by the way don't. we're just saying yeah. yeah it's really hard don't do it yeah <laughs> uh i actually wouldn't mind doing this again you know for sure uh, 
going down a rabbit hole of some creepy fuck. I wouldn't, I would be curious to see if there's, I'm sure there has to be a female serial killer. Oh yeah. Right. Eileen Wernos. Oh, there you go. So maybe that's, I don't even, you know her. I don't. I do. Maybe you can teach me next time. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Cool. All right. Let's wrap this shit up. Awesome. So thank you for listening to So So Scrutiny Podcast. Um, you can always catch us at uh, com. We have our merch store there, so you can check that out. Pick up a mug, sticker, pin, or all three for cheaper. Um, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And then make sure you rate and review the podcast because it helps us. Um and you know thank you for listening for as long as you have if you have been if you're new to it thank you for that too um, yeah and uh tell a friend yeah and hopefully a friend told you about it um because that's i think the easiest way we try our best on social media but, yeah you know, we get there's so many other podcasts and so many other shows that people get distracted by and that's that's how we get kind of grow this thing is by mm-hmm. word of mouth so um and you know i don't i don't blame everyone to not listen to every episode i, I don't listen to really yeah. every episode. i, I edit these things and i don't <laughs> i don't really listen to the whole thing and pick and choose what you like you know i i, I with joe rogan i pick kind of pick and choose you know what uh his guests you know i don't listen yeah. to every guest so if there's something that um that catches your eye you know listen to it and if there's something you want us to check us out or a movie or some music that you want us to scrutinize and and uh figure out hit us up or a topic uh, if you have a topic yeah we're open to everything we're running out of ideas it's kind of hard to be separated like this we have some ideas but we want to do them in person and eventually we're going to do that right we're going to get there yeah for sure wear a fucking mask so Corey and i can be in the same studio together damn that's don't worry about covid just mainly just mainly for Corey and i to get in the studio together that's (laughs) the main thing (laughs) all right let's get out of here all right so until next time i'm Corey stocks and I'm Robert. And this has been the So So Scrutiny Podcast. Take care. See you guys. It's not.